Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Well, hello, 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 leavers and believers. Welcome back, or welcome to, if it's your first time, to Leaving Hillsong. My name is Tanya, and I am so happy that you have joined us this afternoon. Grace and I have whipped up a storm of conversation. I, uh, I had last found her on a ferry in Indonesia. She slipped off without giving uh, due notice, thanks very much, and um, I ended up finding her, and this interview takes place on a beach, so you'll hear a bit of background noise throughout, very tropical, I hope you enjoy it. You will recall that Grace was very keen to discuss the National Redress Scheme in Australia, which has been a result of the Royal Commission into institutional responses to child sexual abuse that was held nearly 10 years ago. It started, it was an investigation into how various institutes, institutions responded and uh, to allegations, to reports. And as a result, a scheme was initiated and Grace has been involved in that space professionally over the last few months. And wanted to report more so do be aware there's a a mention of child abuse coming up later in the show but first of all we do have a uh, a bit of a chat about brian houston the former hillsong pastor senior global one um went to court uh, recently again and so we have a little chat about that and uh some other happenings around then things to take a serious turn. So there's something for everyone in this episode that is called The End of an Era, Part 2, with Grace. Grace? Hey. Grace, at what point? At what point did you say you were going on vacation, Grace? <laughs> As of last week. <laughs> ah. Oh, I, I contacted you a couple of days ago, I mean, as you know, and you were about to get on a boat, you were about to get on a ferry in Indonesia, so somewhere between, yeah, last week and right now, you've taken off on vacation, but, you know, there's no excuse, there's no rest for the, for the Leaving Hillsong crew, so. For the faithful. I found you. Got to try and keep these loosens happy. How are you? What's it like? Yeah, it's great. If anyone's been to Indonesia, 
It's a very interesting country. I mean, it reminds me a lot of, it, of India. But India has a way more diverse landscape than, than Indonesia. Indonesia is pretty tropical on the equator. But I've been meeting a lot of Americans. Oh, yeah? So it's a, it seems it's a bit like of a trek for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's a oh, bit of a trek for them. But I don't know. There must have been some good deals. And it's an interesting country. I mean, there's a lot of religion, religions here all living in, in harmony, they say. I was talking to a guy who was driving me, and he said, yeah, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Christian, Catholic. But they all actually seem to get along and respect each other very well. Like, there's not, there's not this kind of an argumentative thing going on that we see in the West. Okay. I don't know whether maybe, maybe there's less diversity here in terms of, like, different cultures. And maybe because there's more racism in the West, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's. I'm I'm curious. There's probably a there's probably some academic out somewhere who's who's already started talking about this sort of stuff. Uh, smaller area, less resources. Well, I think as well because Indonesian people, like there's not much cultural diversity. There's just Indonesians and there's different tribes and their communities and islands that separate them and their cultures are quite diverse but you know it makes me really interesting like how did this place not get colonized like i just wonder like why did i mean apparently the dutch were here okay. and a few other a few other western nations but yeah i don't know it just really interests me maybe they saw there was so much population you know people living absolutely everywhere i don't know it makes me curious to see what the history is but look i haven't gone googling yet <laughs> yeah because it's certainly there's the great south lands of colonization all around us so uh, the mormons got to new zealand that was interesting there's a whole lot of latter-day saints there. didn't that start in america yeah 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 but they ended up you know they got to new zealand first or something mm. yeah I'm really becoming hugely historically inaccurate and probably culturally inaccurate too. So, yeah, that's uh, um, yeah. it's just interesting how different countries have very different experiences of mm. war, of religion, mm. you know, of culture. I definitely recommend it for, for those sort of, I guess, learnings and experiences to stretch your mind. Yeah, it's uh, how people live. It's always always fascinating going back to talking about hill songs around the world too like i mean wasn't there a hill song bali i don't know was there i mean it made sense yeah, I mean, yeah i'm pretty sure there was but i think it, it was run by local like indonesian people but i found that really funny that that came later on in the piece i think well, something that has happened in between our, our little catch-ups here is uh, Brian wants his money back, all right? So he went to court. He got accused of things that, you know, he can't believe it happened to him. He was accused of uh, concealing a serious indictable offence and he was acquitted in August. And so he ended up in court last week on 7th of December and it turns out he spent a lot of money on his lawyer for his defence. 
and all his lawyers. Are we um, talking about are we talking about Jared Haynes' lawyer as well? Yeah, the, the guy that represented and um well Jared lost and he's in jail now. Haynes is in jail. Uh but the same lawyer, yeah. I mean he had assistants and, and you know, their assistants and all of Rabbit's friends and relations are there. But yeah, I mean we were we were trying to calculate just quietly, you know, amongst the what what are we in the crowds? But Turns out he spent a million dollars defending himself against that allegation. It says here, according to news.com.au. It's a million dollars that he has. It's not that he doesn't have it. Well, I mean, but it was just so unfair. What he's saying is that, you know, uh, it should never have happened and he wants to to get his money back. It was a 15-day defended hearing. Magistrate Gareth Christophe, you might recall him from um, trials and tribulations uh, previously. He was the magistrate that oversaw the case. He noted it was a large amount of money, he said, even when taking into consideration the substantial amount of material and the complexity of the matter. However, Mr. Houston's lawyer, Philip Bolton, who you were referring to there, Grace, before, said the intricacies of the historical allegations laid against his client required a significant assessment and investigation. Every single cent has been time-costed. It is accounted for in the bills by time increments. He said, I reject completely the suggestion that appearing for Brian Houston was a straightforward legal matter. Why these people talk so, straightforward? Why are they, they just hard? Like it was hard, not so. Like, they are they're arguing that because of legal complexity, he wants money back. Well, because he wanted so high. That's why the bill was so high. So, uh, Mr. Bolton argued the prosecution should never have run the case against his client because it had not excluded the possibility Mr. Houston was respecting the victim's wishes by not going to police. He noted a, oh, 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 this one. You ready, ready, ready? He noted a central witness who had been present at a pivotal meeting between Mr. Houston and his father's victim was not called by the Crown to give evidence. The court was told the man refused to testify. That's good old Nabi Sali. How do you refuse to testify? How does that work? Because. They're claiming party A or whatever is claiming that he was there, and then he's saying, "I'm not." He's denying it. Oh, he just refused. I didn't know you were allowed to just refuse to testify. Um, what did he give us? Did he give a verbal statement? No, he's. A, I mean, he's the one who turned up to the McDonald's meeting. You see, remember with? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but was that in in Brian's defence? No, no, no. Well, hang on. Was not called by the crown to give evidence, so uh, maybe they didn't see it. I don't know. That sounds weird. That makes sense. Why, in the in the judgment, there were some kind of side comments towards Mr. Sardi that could have shed light on this and that. That's interesting. The prosecution. I don't know. I haven't gone. You've you've read all the evidence. 
Mr. Bolton said the prosecution made a call not to go there and to rely solely on Mr. Sengstock, and that, in my submission, was an unreasonable decision. He slammed the prosecution for being blind to the issues in their case, which never got any better. Your Honour asked the prosecutor on the first day, is this a reasonable excuse, Mr. Bolton said. It was, and it was proven to be. Uh, yeah, the payments and stuff and McDonald's meeting and hmm. Um, hang on, so Crown Prosecutor Kate Dodds rejected the suggestion the prosecution's case was doomed to fail and maintained Mr Houston should not be awarded costs. If he was successful, she submitted, his compensation should be calculated according to the Attorney General's rates for legal representation. So they want to give him legal aid rates. Uh, Mr Bolton hotly declared there was not one single person who charged those rates, which he claimed were deliberately calculated to be significantly less than the market rate. Uh, Mr Houston will learn the outcome of his application for costs when Mr Christophe hands down the decision in March next year so he wants his uh and his court cost paid for it's all been the terrible miscarriage of justice it seems well, i don't know well the supreme court called it didn't they and this was going to be an example case yeah it was definitely some kind of test case hey so because they've lost i'm just curious what that means for Australian government or the, that particular legislation. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess we'll find out. I mean, it was, you know, concealing a serious indictable offence, becoming, a, you know, a much more significant crime. Mm. How do you kind of prove that, you know, that, that was all kind of, you know, that's the whole thing. There's reason. so much. Yeah. There's so much going on for him. He's kicked out of his church. He's sold his house. He's obviously in the stage. Yeah. There's just so much going on for him. I well, just, yeah, I just... but he's still available. We got a link before. He's still available if you want to book him to speak. I don't know on what precisely. It says here a link here for the allamericanspeakers.com. Brian Houston now so under the categories of uh, Christian speakers, faith and religion. Now I, I did try to put in a booking here, and I was just interested in say um, the cost would be. So I had a look here. The um, what your talent budget five thousand or less, five to ten, ten to twenty. Do they know he doesn't get out of his jet for less than twenty thousand dollars? The speech is for the he's talent. Got to, he's got to think of some sort of income stream. That's nice. Do you know? I don't know. You can have him speak at your next um um uh business um wedding um. No, well, that's nice. Is big wheels keep on turning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, meanwhile, Lauren 
Laura and Chogs are doing their church. What do you hear about that? I don't know. Like they're just kicking on as if they've got to move on with their lives. It seems. Well, church goes on. The show must go on. Yeah. I don't know. I think. I think Brian's trying to get any. He's scrambling at any sense of justice he can. He can hold on to. But look, the fact of the matter is, he still hasn't owned up to what he's done. I know there's a lot of, I mean, it's, we know it's historically chronic, the amount of abuse cover-up, child sexual abuse cover-up that's happened across across Australia. You know, what he did with his father that day, you know, it's just a symptom of a, a whole range of other things that have gone on also. Um, we know that systems weren't in place to take care of children and since not at the time. I mean, if he was a child at the time where we promoted safety, we pr promoted talking about something that didn't feel right, that wasn't, you know, that felt wrong, that, that, that didn't seem trustworthy, that was too secretive. I mean, we were we were in a world back then where we couldn't talk about those things, but those things then they they continued. I mean, we come a long way from there. We know the abuse isn't when people start coming out when they're older and telling telling stories of what's happened. You know, people are starting to believe it. But I think for me, the big thing is is when when you're a grown adult and you've actually done something that is whether it's unlawful against God, your wife, church, all three, like it's it's really disappointing that people can't own up to the wrong that they've done. And for me, I'm just like, in a court of law, like, you're sworn to tell the truth. We know that truth doesn't always prevail, but you'd think, you'd think the old man's conscious would, he would be so deeply troubled to not just say, yes, I did it. All he's done is look at what they've done to me, look at what the church has done to me, look what the court has done to me. Like, I just, he, I don't, I don't understand. He's protecting his image more than anything, which I don't know. He, I, I would imagine he's, he doesn't give a flip about the Australian economy anymore. He's probably just worried about his reputation in, in America. But, yeah. you know, America, America doesn't, I mean, they, they listen to anything they want to hear. I'm not trying to paint everyone with the same brush as well. But there is a, there is an audience out there that only wants to hear the good things about Brian and the good things well, about church. And he'll find those people. He will find those people. There's, there's a lot of hard done by evangelicals post-Trump, you know, that think Trump was a superhero and that he was done out of his presidency, all that kind of stuff, um, they're already, you know, in feeling persecuted and wronged. And he's the perfect story of, you know, he was wrong, dragged before the courts um, unnecessarily. And Yeah, but the, but the woman, the woman, Pullman's Hotel, Hillsong Conference that year. Well... You want to go back in the archives and watch that conference and see whether he, you know, I don't know. You just wish you could be a fly on the wall again. 
and be like, wow, he was actually doing this stuff for the woman. He was drinking heaps. He was taking medicine, like, you know, in a, in, in, he, was, he was using it in the wrong way, not in the right way. Like it just, yeah, to me it's just like so people know. People knew and they know still now. And they know things that everyone else doesn't know. Mm-hmm. About the situation. I mean, the, the guy was firing other people. Mm. I just, it's it's unfathomable to me that you can literally look at another person in the eye. You can tell them how they love by God. You can give them all, all this sympathy and empathy. You can say all this rubbish. And then you can turn around. And the next person walks across the road from you. And you walk up to them and you can fire them. And yeah. tell them what a horrible human being they were. Yeah. And they abused, abused the platform. Like, you can, you know, it's just it, the extent to which his behavior, his actions, his, his, what he said and, you know, is so in conflict with each other is just, it's unfathomable to me that a human being can do that bad and that good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not sure what good he did, but I'm saying he can promote such goodness. Well, on surface level, good things. You can okay. talk about, well, commu- uh, can communicate and encourage. And- yeah, 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 all that. Mm-hmm. Giving and, and sacrificing and all that stuff. Uh, but, I mean, there's no real mark of accountability. There's no one. Well, you know, you just keep going and there's a new audience every week and new people and... He's got that many followers. He's got that many followers. Like, you know, everything on his Facebook is like this, this, this. You know, we, I said it last week, you know, people are like, oh, I just don't like what they did to Brian. I mean, like, what else are they going to do? And what story are people believing to think that that was, they were so, they were so, uh, he was so wrong. I just, I don't know. It's, it's. It's getting blurrier as the time goes on. Information fades a bit, or people's exactly. memory fade, and then people forget what happened again. Like so much has happened since then. People's lives have been turned around upside down. It's funny well, to me. All these people I've been seeing in years in church, and I'm like, what now? They've all kind of had to reinvent themselves and just. What do they actually think and believe now? That's what I want to know. I'm curious to see. Have people dealt with their stuff? Are they talking about the things you and I are talking about, Tanya? Like, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? Or are they just kind of pop, re-pop back up and like, oh, well, I've got my Sundays back and kept some of those friends around, the rest are gone, but who cares? Like, I don't know. It just makes me so curious. How can you be so intense? Preaching, yeah. teaching, discipling people, or whatever you're doing, and then turn around and then have none of it, and then you just move on with your life. Well, I mean, is that what's happening? I mean, surely. Yeah, I mean, they're evident. Yeah, but I mean, it's evident these people that can't let go, and they're the ones. They're just trying to create a new. The create like they're trying to fill that void with a new church, and that's great. And they want to be plugged in, and they want to do all this stuff, but it's just going into another. Another world of that, you know, probably to less of a scale. And then I want to know what churches are happening in Sweden, like what Norway, uh, like where uh, are these? What, what are all these churches doing? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, this is worldwide. It'd be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know the gravity of what happened with Brian and Carl Lance and all the scandals during COVID. I'd just be really curious to hear and see if people were listening to the pod and, you know, they're from a particular church and want to talk anonymously. It'd be awesome to hear it. Yeah, I wonder where. I think people want to know. Yeah. Yeah, I think people want to know what's going on. There's been huge changes at Hillsong family, churches that have changed and quit and, you know, and then there's people waiting to move and, you know, shuffle on into the empty spaces. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally, totally. Move on up the ladder. Great opportunity for some. Should we talk about the Royal Commission? Yeah, well, t- I mean, so tell me, like, you were all... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I felt, I felt well, I, knew, I, I knew it. I, I guess so the listeners can understand that I've kind of discovered what's happened in terms of re, a redress. So what I know is around the world there hasn't been many redresses and essentially that's the government deciding to open up an opportunity for people to apply I guess it's a, it's a very litigious system. They can, people can make an application, which is filling out a form, which is a little complicated and needs some documentation, evidence. Now, the evidence, I say that lightly because it can be your own statement of what happened and the impact it's had on you. But now, hang on. So, back up. Yeah. Sorry. Just to explain to someone who's never heard of any of this before, what, what, what are we doing here? Well, we've had a Royal Commission, 100, 150 cases that have gone up to the to an independent panel who okay. heard, gone to a hearing, listened to the evidence of, of abuse that has occurred in a particular. It could have been a school, a swimming club, a scout, a church, um, a church group that's very specific. Like they could have mm-hmm. had a membership towards a particular group within a church. Anything, anything that takes care of kids in any it, sort of slight way. It could be a dance school. Yeah, an institution. So it was a royal commission into institutional responses to responsibility. Yes. Now, the key part about that is it had to have been shown that it was institutional responsibility. Now, okay. what does that mean? Okay, we've, the cases are there. You can Google it. You can read the reports, the summaries, the findings. You can read the transcripts. It's all there. Now, I recommend two people if you're interested in this field or area. Um, you want to understand the sense of justice and how Australia, well, how an Australian system has responded. They used cases that were very, they could have been well-known for, for any particular reason, like they were very well-known schools a very old school that had been around for a long time or, or they looked at the actual 
what happened. And essentially what they do is they do a preliminary and generally they spend a week in all the different cities for people to actually go up and start telling their story in a preliminary way. So they just, the nature of what happened in, in a summary. And then, and then what happens is, I don't know who, some sort of decision maker, panel, whatever, they go off and then they look at and decide which cases are going to be heard to the panel. Now, the institutional responsibility part is really key. We know abuse is, was rife, it is rife still, it's everywhere. What we're trying to do is promote awareness, get people to talk about it, get people to acknowledge what happened and also fix their processes. One of the big things was, or in general, is for an example, someone could have been removed because there was abuse that happened in the home and they were placed in care of someone else, a foster carer. Now, that person, that child, say they're about 10 or 12, they kind of can make a bit of indecisions, decisions by themselves at that point. And say they went away and say they spent time with their family non-supervised and it wasn't particularly institutionally it wasn't institutionally organized it wasn't got to do with the systems at that time to organize that meet up that that catch up and then abuse could occur sexual child sexual abuse could occur in that moment that's a case where it's very it's great and it's not sure whether were they institutionally was the abuse institutional responsibility or not and again it depends on who you know who actually was the perpetrator what was the context in which the abuse took place so i only say that as a disclaimer because it doesn't mean all child institution child sexual abuse it was very specific to institutions only and an institution didn't need to just be a church or a school it could have been anything in particular, anywhere, any place where there were children. Like it could have been a mission where Aboriginal people had to live on mission and that was run by the government in a particular era and then abuse occurred. Now, also, abuse doesn't have to just occur. Well, someone should have been informed about it and this is where the big thing ah. happened. So abuse could happen, right? But it's about arguing also about what, where was that information shared? Did they go to the police? Did they go to their teacher or a leader or a volunteer? Did they tell that person? Now, people can still apply whether or not they reported it to anybody. And the, well, the redress scheme is not very interested in so much into whether the police did an investigation or not, if that makes sense. So the pure fact that so-and-so abused so-and-so in a home and then that child later went and got and told a leader and that leader reported it, but then the institution did nothing about it, that's a clear, that's okay. a clear redress. That's so so the other thing though is they kind of they kind of gotten a payout already or any sum of money needs to be declared in just basic terms. Any sum of money needs to be declared. It could have been a thank you, a sorry money, sorry, it could have been sorry money, like hey. I'm really sorry this happened. I'm just going to give you like five grand or thousand dollars, or we're just going to make your um, your fees wavered. Right. That is included into when the redress application is made. Now, the impact of abuse is also interesting. People people can actually put an application in saying what happened. The lawyer can help them draft that application. 
but they don't need to write a victim impact statement. However, they're always strongly encouraged because these independent decision makers are panels of people, whether they're ex-cops, ex-social workers, psychs, they're ex-judges as well, these people that work on this redress. And, and what we've seen is it's quite a really tedious system and it's also very unclear how people make their decision. But the more a lawyer can help draft with a person, an argument for getting whatever they were asking for, the maximum amount of money you can get is $150,000. Okay. This is a double-edged sword, though. So you've got, you've got on one hand, services that are helping people get the applications done, right? So government's paying for these services to exist, like social workers and lawyers and, and, and people with, you know, financial counsellors as well to help them with the money. People paying for this service, it's obviously only time limited. It's only going to be running for another three, four years. Now, that, that's problematic in itself. I think one of the arguments is we need to actually make this unlimited. You know, that people should be able to apply for a redress at any point in their life. Yeah. Because we know historic, we know, well, we know with the research too, they're saying it takes about 22 years for someone to talk about the abuse that happened to them as a child. Okay. That's a yep. long time. That's yep. a long time, and there's many reasons for that. But often, yes, yeah, yep. Yeah, well, yeah, often longer. I mean, that's what I'm wondering. Is this a new thing that's been announced? Why were you so enthusiastic about speaking about it? Well, it was just very good. No, well, it's good for information for people to know that this story. You know, it's part of a bigger story. Do you know what I mean? Like what's yeah. happened with Hillsong yeah. and Brian. Yeah. It's part of a bigger story. There's, we know there's heaps of victims out there. We know there's heaps of people that have experienced institutional abuse. It's everywhere. It's, you know, it's everywhere. And so, you know, if people don't know, they're not going to reach out for that support. Like, you you might not just, you might decide I'm not ready for an application. But I think it's important that people know that this stuff is happening in Australia, that people can apply for redress. Um it doesn't guarantee they're going to get any money. But like I said, I'm about to say, there was there's a double-edged sword with it all, right? You've got these people who wrap around kind of supporting. It's kind of like a community legal service type framework that are here to help support people. And then, but then, and that's well and good. They'll put, help put people through the application process. But then there's the thing of, well, is the government trying to save money here? Like, if you think about it, someone mm. like George Pell or, say, Frank Houston, I don't know, it could be someone out there who, other people out there, we know there was other people that were also abused by him. Now, if someone, if someone went through civil claim and got civil yeah. advice, yeah, they could possibly get, if they're, again, depending on the court at the time, who's the judge, the application itself, the hearing, all this sort of stuff that goes on in this process, they could be they could be getting a lot of money and i stress a lot of money okay, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah the yeah. major scream kind of gives you a maximum of 150,000 and you can also get a sorry an apology institutional apology written okay. apology you can also get yeah you also have access to financial counseling that's free and other counseling so i think it's a, that's why I say it's a double-edged sword. It's good for people to know. It's good to build awareness. It's actually helping people get legal advice for what happened. And also yep. people aren't put under this 
it's a traumatizing, it's a re-triggering experience, re-traumatizing experience. However, there are systems out there that'll help people through processes. As ugly as this process is, it's better off people go and get the legal advice that they need and then they can make a decision on what they, what suits them. But you can only apply for the redress once. You can get as much legal advice as you want and you can reapply for that legal advice, but you you know at different points you'll have different you you get different advice and then you also still need to make a decision people can't make decisions for you and the other thing about this whole process is as well is that it 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 highlights the gravity of what's happened for a lot of people and that also records weren't kept you know this is why ryan's kind of put through the ringer because Whatever he said in the Royal Commission, he was then held accountable to, even yeah. if the story had changed a few times and then yeah. it lands in the Royal Commission and now it's signed, sealed, delivered. It's in black and white um, print. What he said, what he did, who he spoke to, all of that's now solidified. He can't really go back on that story. And, you know, people's stories are horrendous of what happened to them, that impact that, different abuse had on people's childhood, their functioning with relationships. I mean, really, it's sad to say, but I'm not trying to typecast anybody who's gone through anything in their life of this sort of nature, but lots of people took to alcohol. Lots of people came homeless. Lots of people ended up in jail. And, and, and there's some really, really horrific you know, end of life circumstances. Um, and then you've got all of life circumstances in general, like people dying around them, people getting a chronic illness, people ending up terminally ill. Like all those things happen to people anyway, right? It breaks my heart hearing some of the stories of people who are survivors that, you know, some of them have just, they've kept this secret like so tightly locked up in Pandora's box. Mm. they are on a tightrope that they're going to fall apart if their whole family was to find out. Like, it's devastating. That that makes me so sad because I think it significantly impacted them. Their functioning was really is really good, but they haven't been able to talk about it and they haven't gotten a sense of freedom in that. I don't know what the fears are, but I think people feel that maybe they are, will unravel considerably by telling their story. But... I would stress to people that it's it's really it alleviates a lot of stress and it helps it helps to feel validated by another person and but and yeah. be believed really the bottom line is being believed so I think yeah I think it's a and I think it you know it leads me on to that whole idea of talking about what's happened is so important mm. uh, I think a lot of people historically I mean we look at it the way the world Australia has changed a lot, you know, the way abuse was, the way looking after children, you know, functioned and processes and legalities and whether people believed abuse that children would tell them, you know, abuse wasn't believed. I mean, even um, in the still isn't believed. Last nine, ten years since the Royal Commission, there's been major social change, I think, in this country. And yeah, major. Address. But the sad part is there's recommendations that don't get followed, like, People are like, oh, yeah, great, piece of paper. But it's like, wait a second, why aren't we demonstrating clearly we are 
what we if we if we do and we demonstrate what the Royal Commission says as a recommendation for churches or schools or any sort of religious kind of group, you know, if we're not doing that, we're just going to be more liable in the future when current future abuse occurs. Um, and we know that people who abuse children gravitate to jobs and roles and volunteer opportunities. Just clarify for me, though, Gracie. Tell me, you said the government was going to be saving money, um, isn't it? I mean, they sign up. It's the institutions that pay. Good question. They sign up to pay. So there's lots of institutions out there that haven't signed up to this redress scheme. Now, this is this is where it gets really confusing. There's like, for example, like some Christian mission in WA. Some of these organisations have changed right over time. Their governance, who their board is, who are they connected to in terms of associations. And some are no longer associated with churches. You know, they become their own little NGOs. So it's actually quite interesting how um, some of them haven't signed for redress. So there's a lot of bureaucracy that also is going on with this. So what the government can do is pay on behalf of that institution. Pretty crazy. Okay. I did not realise that. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? I'm now pretty sure Hillsong is a... I think everyone that was a part of the Royal Commission, I think it was part of their... Part of... They had to. I'm pretty sure they can't not be part of redress if they were in the Royal Commission. Well, um, where, I mean, what would be the easiest way for people to find out about it? Hey, they could honestly just Google redress scheme, Royal Commission, institutional child sexual abuse, or they can just put redress in there, Australia, and they'll find. Okay. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. They can go and Google it. They'll find some information. There's organisations that are out there helping people do the application process. But what I would recommend is people go and get legal advice first. And there's legal advice. There's places where they can get legal advice for free. But that's where I would say they need to go. Okay. Yeah. People's lives and what they've gone through and the mm. multiple abuse. I mean, like, yeah, the stories are the stories are really they're devastating, but they're 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 anecdotally a very good message for others to learn about if you are a pastor if you are a church leader if you're a teacher you're a teacher's aide do anyone who's working with children go look up these cases and look at how professional judgment can be impaired and think about the boundaries that you set as a professional whether or not you've had lots of training or not as an adult you know we are working with vulnerable people and when it's our responsibility to, to take that upon ourselves to learn and understand how to work and communicate in a professional manner and also be a whistleblower, you know, picking up on signs that things aren't going quite right for a young person and that might need to talk about it. And also not putting yourself in a, in a dangerous situation yourself um, because I think we need to promote safety and promote good boundaries and, and, and healthy environments where we're not left alone with kids and, you know, make them, you know, the secrets of businesses. There's lots of stuff happening in that teaching space, education space in Australia to kind of try and promote 
healthier ways to talk and 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 create you know good learning and i guess any sort of child focused environment make sure that it's got those safeguarding practices so we can minimize abuse really mm -hmm, mm -hmm. minimizing the opportunity for someone to abuse a child in in, in secret but yeah it yeah i really i really promote people getting legal advice i think knowledge is power although we can't you know some of that money doesn't always feel like it's justice and and it, and it often isn't but it might help someone along the way to, to get something that they really want or need and it can feel it, it's quite a grief quite a complex grief grieving process going through that stuff and people you know not always get what they want as well out of the scheme but i think I think for anyone who's been a victim of a crime, um, I think it's really empowering to even just be able to go through that process of, and get the help that they need. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, I'm just saying there's a range of services available, uh, and I mean, money doesn't get you know stolen youth back. But as you were talking about, people have very real results, as very real impacts of abuse on their lives, and you know, sometimes that can pay some of those some of those expenses um, yeah things, yeah and also as well you know the, there is a lot of known information by the government and institutions about particular people who were employees or members of their community at a particular time and i think it's important that people can reach out and get the advice they need confidentially uh, because they might be in a really in a position where they can actually get some you know, acknowledgement for that abuse, which is really important to some people. Yep, yep. I mean, some people, you know, we know that they are merely seeking an apology. Some people want, you know, the material. So it's all very, very different. Do we leave it there? Yep. And you, thank you very much. Will you have a fantastic holiday for us? Thank you. Be safe, would you? Please? I will. <laughs> Good to talk again. All right, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Doing. And there you have it. Whatever it was is. I hope some of that information was useful. We would very much like to hear from from people who've had Hillsong experiences. As Grace said earlier, if you're in a of Norwegian and we know we have a lot of friends there in Norway and in Sweden and you want to give us some updates on what's happened please uh, feel free to to give us drop us a line and if the redress info is of use to you well you know let's report it you know my hashtag report not repent and if over time you've been thinking that it's you know time to tell your story our listeners like the stories most of all, just the regular everyday person. Of course, if you're a huge celebrity, you can give us a yell. Selena, I'm looking at you. But uh, seriously, if uh, if you're feeling a bit more comfortable lately, who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe things have changed. Please uh, give us a yell and we can, um, we can sit down and record the history. Thank you so much for your time, for your interest, and for your dedication to our little group.
You may recall after the judgment I said we had a, a legal analysis coming. Our Hillsong lawyer Nick had referred me to a criminal law specialist, a learned friend of theirs and I don't know, I thought I'd missed the email or missed the time or anyway it turns out that lawyers are really busy but uh, he's keen. So we're going to talk this week and we will bring to you some further analysis and some actual proper uh, pulling apart of what happened and why in the case of the Crown versus Brian Giles Houston. Very much looking forward to that. Should be getting that to you next weekend. So, lots more fun to be had. It's either very cold or very hot where you are. So, either way, look after yourself and be kind to yourself. Kind to the people around you. They're probably hot or cold too, you know. Oh, Christmas is going, you know. <sighs> Keep leaving Hillsong and we'll talk soon. Bye.